Let's do it, man. All right. Hey, good morning. Good morning. How is everybody? Awesome. All right. We got two that are really excited to be here. So, well, I'm excited to be here. So you should be excited to be here just because. All right. So I just want to tell you, we just had an incredible discussion in our Connect Group time. And so if you have uh, not been to Connect Groups in a while or ever, just wanted you to know they start at 9 o'clock and they're all really incredible and we can get you plugged into one. And so we'd love to do that. But we want to welcome you to Holly Springs this morning. If you are visiting with us in the bulletin, there's a tear out that you can fill out for us. And if you will, drop it in the boxes for us in the back. That's how we are collecting those. We're also collecting our offering and tithes in the boxes. And so we're not passing a plate. And so you can help us out with that for sure. But other than that, we want to welcome you guys. We're excited to worship this morning. I hope you're excited to worship this morning. This is, yes, I'm excited to worship. All right, let's see it. Head nods, right? Okay, good. This is, I'm not really sure what's happening in life right now. Okay, all right. So let's stand, let's worship, and let's honor the Lord this morning. Let's sing this together. We count on one thing. Count on one thing. The same God that never fails will not fail me now. You won't fail me now in the waiting. The same God who's never late is working all things out. You're working all things out. Yes, I will lift you high in the lowest valley. Yes, I will bless your name. Oh, yes, I will sing for joy when my heart is heavy all my days. Oh, yes, I will. Let's sing in faith together. We count on one thing. Oh, I count on one thing. The same God that never fails will not fail me now. You won't fail me now in the waiting. The same God who's never late is working all things out. You're working all things out. Yes, I will lift you high in the lowest valley. Yes, I will bless your name. Oh, yes, I will sing for joy when my heart is heavy all my days. Oh, yes, I will choose to praise, to glorify, glorify the name of all names, that nothing can stand against, and I choose to praise, to glorify, glorify the name of all names. 
nothing can stand against Oh yes, I will lift you high in the lowest valley Yes, I will bless your name Oh yes, I will sing for joy when my heart is heavy all my days Oh yes, I will Yes, I will lift you high in the lowest valley Yes, I will bless your name Yes, I will sing for joy when my heart is heavy Yes, I will for all my days. Oh, yes, I will for all my days. Oh, yes, I Let's sing this hymn together. Come thou fount of every blessing, tune my heart to sing thy grace. Streams of mercy never ceasing, call for songs of loudest praise. Teach me some melodious sonnet, Sung by flaming tongues above Oh, praise the mount I'm fixed upon it Mount of thy redeeming love Here I raise Oh, here I raise my Ebenezer Hither by thy help I come, and I hope by thy good pleasure safely to arrive at home. Jesus saw me when a stranger, wandering from the fold of God, oh, he to rescue me from danger. Interposed his precious blood. No to grace, how great a debtor daily I'm constrained to be. Let thy goodness like a fetter. Binds my wandering heart to Thee. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Oh, here's my 
and seal it, seal it for thy courts above. Oh, prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. Oh, here's my heart, Lord, take and seal it, seal it for thy courts above. Here's my heart, Lord, take and seal it, seal it for thy courts above.
good. God, whatever circumstances come our way, whatever suffering you have for us in the future, whatever suffering we have today, God, may we consider it joy when we face all of those various trials in life. And God, I pray that today that we can get away from our circumstances and we can just rest in your goodness together as a family as a body of believers, God, that we can trust your grace, that it's sufficient, that we can trust your way that is good for us, that you're teaching us, that you're refining us in the fire. And God, as we open up your word again, we, as we always do, God, we pray that you would teach us new things about yourself. Take us to new places. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you so much. You may be seated. Wonderful to be back with you this morning. So good to see all of you and uh, looking forward to sharing with you. I know you're not supposed to have a favorite necessarily, but that is my all-time favorite hymn. I, I love that hymn, and it fits perfectly with what I want to share with you this morning about it being well with our soul in the midst of everything that's changing in our culture if you have your Bible, I hope you do this morning, you will need to turn to Revelations. We're going to jump into Revelations as we look this morning. We have one more sermon left next week. I want to share with you hope. I feel like a lot of this sermon series has been kind of just discouraging because of the culture. And I hope and pray that you've been given some kind of a foundation of understanding of how you can have hope in the midst of the culture change that's going on in the world. But next Sunday, I just want to spend the whole Sunday just encouraging you that we win the victory in the end and that it's all going to be fantastic. It's, it's part of what Revelations is going to be with you this morning even. I want to share with you a little bit of hope this morning, but I also want to share with you the fact that 
we are in for a time of suffering. There's, there's no doubt about it. Revelations tells us and teaches us about what to expect in the future. And one of the things that we certainly have in the future for us as believers is suffering. If you don't believe that, you're just locked in your own little bubble in the world that you live in and you don't know what Christians are going through all around the world. Right now is just a crazy time. Even just yesterday or the day before yesterday, I was contacted by uh, the missionaries who have been here in our church, Terry and Twyla Bell, to ask us to pray for school children who have been kidnapped in Africa. Uh, they found about 35 of about 175 school children, uh, uh, Christian school children who were kidnapped and uh, taken for hostage in uh, Africa. Uh, in, I believe it's in Kenya. It's one of the countries there that we've been in before, Laura and I, and some of you maybe have even been in before too. So it's just the, the world that we live in now. Instead of giving you a synopsis of the last 10 that I've done, I know that sometimes can be kind of overwhelming, especially as we add to it. I just trust that if you are not familiar kind of with where we at, that you'll go back and look at some of the sermons that are posted online and you'll be able to catch yourself up a little bit about what's going on. I do want to tell you and remind you that two Sundays ago when I preached, we, we talked about how we are living in the post-truth era right now, that everybody's kind of discerning what their own truth is, and you're kind of okay to come up with your own truth. Today, we're going to look at the book of Revelations and how John wrote to the churches about the coming of Christ and what the last days are going to look like. Now, you know me well enough to know that I'm not the prophet, uh, a prophet or the son of a prophet. And I'm not trying to convince you that Jesus is coming next week or next month or next year. Even his disciples back in the scripture talk about the fact that they thought he was coming very soon. And that was 2,000 years ago. So nobody here is trying to guess when Jesus is going to come back. In fact, the scripture is pretty adamant and very clear that nobody knows the time that Jesus is coming. And I don't know how many of you are alive, but I remember very well, I'd only been a, a, a student pastor for about five years. So it was in 1988, there was a guy that wrote a book in 1988, and I think the title was 88 Reasons Jesus is Coming Back in 1988. And then he didn't come. And so the next year he changed it to 89 reasons that Jesus is coming back in 1989. And that's funny. It was, it was also very sad because we had churches who were teaching that like it was scriptural in our community. It was kind of crazy. And it's just nobody knows when Jesus is coming back. But I can tell you this. He is coming. And we know that it's shorter today than it was yesterday. We know the time is shorter, and we know tomorrow the time will be shorter than it was today. So we have to study Scripture, and we have to learn the things that he's trying to teach us in, in Scripture. And we know that the pace is greater than it's ever been before. So let me take you into Revelations and look at a church that I told you about a couple of weeks ago called Smyrna. This is in the book of Revelations. John is writing to this church in Smyrna. Now he's written to seven different churches in the book of Revelations. Smyrna is one of those churches. The cool thing about the church at Smyrna 
is he loves them and he is commending them. In fact, that's one of the things we'll talk about in just a minute, about how much he loves the church at Smyrna and how well he thinks they're doing uh, with their discipleship and how well they're doing following after the cause of Christ. But one of the things that he's going to talk to them about in just a few short verses that he writes this letter to them is about how they need to be prepared for the suffering that they're about to have to take on to themselves for the cause of Christ. Now, before we jump into this, I've always given you a couple of examples. I'm not going to do that this morning. I'm not going to give you two. I'm just going to give you one. I'm going to send you home to do some homework for the other one. But in case you did not know it this week, you need to go look it up. Uh, uh, get on your computer and just look up about a New York educator who is teaching juniors and seniors in high school uh, in, in their sex education classes, pornography literacy. In other words, how to know and enjoy pornography as part of their sex education class. While that's been going on, they're also teaching, this same lady is teaching first and second graders very inappropriate sexual lessons. That's why I'm not sharing it with you verbally. I want you to go look it up. It's really not appropriate for me to share with you, but I, I just want you to go look and see what's happening. Now, here's the frightening thing. Not only is this teacher doing it, by the way, she's resigned under pressure because of what she did and what she showed, the, the films that she showed the first and second graders, but the New York Times wrote an editorial piece commending her for what she was doing. And, and that's the kind of world that we live in. It's just unbelievable. Go look that one up. Here's the one that I will share with you. So uh, the Randolph Township in Morris County, New Jersey, voted unanimously this past Thursday to remove holiday names from their whole academic calendar because of the uproar of changing Columbus Day to Indigenous Peoples Day. So they have just changed everything. So there's no Thanksgiving, no Memorial Day, no Jewish holidays like Rosh Hashanah or Yom Kippur. Everything now is just listed as days off. And here's what one of the board members said. If we don't have anything on the calendar, we don't have to worry about hurting anybody's feelings anymore. No more hurt feelings because we won't name anything after anybody anymore. This is crazy. We live in a crazy world. Revelations chapter 1. Look, look at Revelations chapter 1 with me, verse 7. This is John writing, but I, I want to kind of help bring you up to speed. And then we're going to turn to chapter 2 because chapter 2 is where the letter gets written to Smyrna that John is writing. But in chapter 1, I, I want to point out that John is, is really speaking for Jesus. And if you look at uh, verse, uh, let's look at verse, uh, back up to verse 6. And uh, let's look there where it says, To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and has made us to be a kingdom and priests to serve his God and Father. To him be glory and power forever and ever Amen. And look at what it says in verse 7. Look, 
He is coming with the clouds and every eye will see him. Even those who pierced him and all the peoples of the earth will mourn because of him. Yes, yes, so shall it be. Amen. And then verse 8, I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. Man, that is so impressive. And what's going on here is John is beginning to write this book of Revelation. And in the beginning, the very beginning of it here, chapter 1, verse 6, John is saying, look, I'm writing this letter, but it's Jesus who's speaking to you. And he's just using me as a mouthpiece. It's what every pastor who loves his congregation and who's really trying to follow after the Lord should say every Sunday morning, look, I'm sharing with you, but my prayer is that I am just a mouthpiece for the Alpha and the Omega, the one who is and who was and who shall be forevermore. I'm just privileged to be the mouthpiece. That's what John is saying here. This church, Smyrna, it's, it's kind of a strange name, but you know, we've named um, cities in our country after it. Most of you probably have heard of Smyrna, Georgia. What, what it means in, in, in the Greek is, is it's, a, it's a taste or a smell. And it also means uh, this taste or smell that can be bitter and can be in very difficult situations. And so the church at Smyrna is very appropriately named. If we were uh, to name our church something like Smyrna today, we would name our church instead of Holly Springs Baptist or Second Baptist or like we do with street names or first in the communities or something like that. We would take a church like ours and we would name it Hardship Baptist Church. Nobody would ever come, would they? I mean, can you imagine that? Does anybody want to go be a member at Hardship? No, I don't think so. But that's what they were basically naming their church. It was almost like we would name our church Suffering Baptist Church. That's what they chose to name their church because they knew what was in store. And Jesus gives himself a description here. He, he takes these first verses and John paints this picture of who Jesus is. And the first picture that he gives of himself is in verse 8. He says, I'm the Alpha and the Omega. I'm the first and the last. Listen, I have a whole page here. This is not the first time that Jesus has ever said that he's the first and the last. You can go back from Old Testament all the way through New Testament and find Jesus calling himself the first and the last. Let me remind you of the magnitude of Jesus saying, I'm the first and the last. In, in Isaiah, he says, listen to me in silence, O coastlands. Let the people renew their strength. Let them approach and let them speak. Let us together draw near the, for judgment. Who stirred up one from the east, whom victory meets at every step. He gives up nations before him so that he tramples kings underfoot. He makes them like dust with his sword, like driven stubble with his, bow, um, with his bow. And then he finishes by saying, I am the Lord, the first and with the last. 
I am he. That's in Isaiah. Further on in Isaiah, it says, Listen to me, O Jacob and Israel, whom I called. I am he. I am the first and I am the last. My hands laid the very foundations for the earth. And then again in Isaiah, he says, Thus says the Lord, the King of Israel, and his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts, I am the first and I am the last. Besides me, there is no God who is like me. I am the God. Man, that's just amazing. These descriptions of who Jesus is, who God is, he's just not the God of this moment that we're breathing right now. But he's the God of every moment that came before this moment. And he's the God of every moment that will follow after this moment. Man, when, when you think about that, he's the God who is no other God like him. There is none. He is the one and only God. You see his sovereignty here. You see who he is. You see he's the creator of the universe. You see his power that he laid the foundations that created everything that there is. He created the uniqueness of you, the uniqueness of you, the uniqueness of me. He had a hand in every piece and part of you. Have you ever thought about that God? That's a God who loves you more than your mother loves you, more than your father loves you, more than your brother, your sister, your husband, your wife. He's the God who was at, there at the very beginning and will be there with you at the very end. Now let me tell you why this is important. This description of God, the first and the last, the beginning and the end, from that moment when the earth and everything was created to the very end when he calls us home, he is God. Why does that bring you comfort? Listen, it's interesting because the command not fear, remember how that's told us in scripture over and over again? Do not fear. Do not be afraid. You should not fear because that command is always connected with the fact that God is the very first and the very last. Every time you see in Scripture where it says, do not fear, it's always connected in the Greek and in the verbiage with, he is the first and he is the last. So there's no need to fear. Have you ever thought about that before? Have you ever thought about that whatever situation that you're in right now or whatever situation you're getting ready to be in or whatever situation just happened a few weeks to, ago to you and you wondered what in the world was going on, that in the midst of all those situations, you were completely surrounded by God who was the first and who will be the last, the Alpha and the Omega. Whatever situation you find yourself right in, I can promise you this, he's bigger than that situation. And he is walking 
through that situation with you. This is what he's telling the church at Smyrna. This is why John wrote this in this very first chapter. He said, listen, I'm writing the letter, but you need to understand that God, who is the first and who is the last, who is the alpha and who is the omega, is writing this through me, and he's saying these words to you, and I'm getting ready to address you as the church, Smyrna, and one of the things that I'm getting ready to address you as the church is you're getting ready to go through some suffering like you've never gone through before, but I've got news for you. As you are preparing yourself to go through that suffering, let me tell you something. I'm the first, and I'm the last. And I'm Alpha, and I'm Omega, and I was there with you at the beginning, and I'm going to be with you to the very end. And you don't have anything to be afraid of. That's what is so exciting about what I have to share with you these past weeks and what I'll share with you today and what I'll share with you next week and what God will give with me to share with you until he makes me take my last breath, which is he loves you. And he watches over you. And there's no circumstance that you'll ever be in. There's no suffering that you're ever going to go through that he's not with you at the beginning and he's not with you at the end. That's the God that we worship. It's the God who died and then came back to life for you and me. Listen, in, in Revelations 1.17, you can look at it if you want to. It says this, I am the living one. I died. And behold, I am alive forevermore, and I have the keys of death and Hades. This is the Christ who died for you. In your future, he has the keys to your future. And the keys to the future are to heaven and hell, and you make the choice of which key he opens for you by what you choose to decide to do in repentance. Did you know there's a rugby player in England right now? I, I take it back, not in England, Australia. There's a, there's a rugby player in Australia right now who wrote on his social media page that Jesus Christ calls for all of us to repent and come to faith in him. And do you know they kicked him off the national rugby team? He was, he, in, in, in our mind, so we don't know rugby, obviously. Most of us don't know. We don't know who the famous players are in rugby. But this guy would be like the Michael Jordan of the rugby team in Australia. And because he stood up for his faith and because he stood up for what he believes that Scripture says, that all of us, must repent and come to faith in Jesus Christ. And he posted that on his social media page. The Australian Rugby Federation kicked him off the team and said, you are no longer welcome to be a part of our sport. That's a Christian standing up, being a Christian who has been told you are not allowed to do that and be a part of the, the career the, the, the skills that you have been given. You're not allowed to do that anymore. And why? Because he stood by his faith. And now he's being made to suffer. But do you know who holds the keys to his suffering? Jesus Christ does. Jesus Christ is the alpha and the omega for that rugby player 
just like he's the alpha and the omega for you and me. Let me, let me take you through now this letter to Smyrna, the church of Smyrna. So if you turn over to chapter 2, you're going to see in, in the very first verses that he's writing to the church at Ephesus. So you're familiar with that. You're familiar with the book of Ephesians. And here John writes a, a short letter to the church at Ephesus. And he, he's frustrated with them a little bit. And you see that in the book of Ephesians too, uh, where uh, they're frustrated with kind of some of the things that are going on with, with the church at Ephesus. But when you come to the church at Smyrna, which starts in verse 8, John's not sharing any frustrations with them. In fact, what he's doing is he's commending them. It would be, and I think I told you this a couple of weeks ago, but it would be like me opening the Bible and, 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 uh, and uh, one of the disciples had written Holly Springs a letter and um, the, the letter started off something like, Dear Holly Springs, I, I, I wanted to let you know how proud I am of you. And, and, and the things that you're accomplishing for the kingdom there in the community which you live. I'm, I'm so thankful you helped with the Glory Gang, and I, I, I'm so thankful that you love each other well, and I, I'm so thankful that you take the gospel around the world, and I'm so thankful that you give so much of your budget to mission causes, things like that. And we would be reading that, and we would be going, man, this is awesome. I'm so thankful that God sees us. Now... You and I know that what's being written here is, is not Smyrna, you're a perfect church. Just like if, if the Lord was to write Holly Springs a letter, and he, you would know that he would not write to us, you're the perfect church, I'm, I'm holding you up as an example to everybody else. I wish every church would be like Holly Springs. I don't think he would do that. He's certainly not doing it to the church at Smyrna. But what he's doing is he is commending them. For, for the way that they are living their lives and for the things that they're doing. But then in the midst of that, it's, it's flipping the tables. It's kind of like what your parents used to do maybe to you. I, I don't know if they did to you. I, I kind of had that with me. You know, you're, it's kind of like that good news, bad news. I, I've got some good news to tell you, you know, and I've got some bad news. Which do you want to hear first? And I used to, you know, always ask for the good news first. And I think that's kind of what the Lord is doing and what John is doing here when he writes to the church at Smyrna. He's, he's basically saying, let me tell you some good news because there's some really bad news that, that I need to share with you. I, I remember one time, I think I told you the story before, but I was, I'd been a, a, not a very good child at one time. And I, I remember my mom telling me that she was going to spank me when I got home from taking my brother and sister to school. I was going to ride in the car with her, but she said, when we get home, I'm going to spank you. And I remember the whole time, I was just about seven years old, but I remember the whole time while we were driving my brother and sister to school, talking to my mom and trying to talk to her about anything like, man, your hair looks good today, mom. And, you know, uh, I was just trying anything I could think of to make sure that she completely forgot about spanking me. And yet when we got home, she took me straight to the bathroom and grabbed one of my dad's belts. I don't know if anybody does that anymore. I don't know why we don't, because you can tell it affected me for the rest of my life. But she grabbed my dad's belt and she spanked me. And, and uh, you know, that, that was her being 
truthful to her word. This is what the Lord is doing here. Look at, look at verse 8. To the angel of the church in Smyrna, I write, these are the words of him oh, who is the first and the last, who died and came to life again. I know your afflictions and your poverty, poverty, yet you are rich. Do you see what's kind of going on here? He's saying, I, I, I know you're suffering, but do you know how rich you are? And then he says, I know the slander of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Do you see what he's saying here? This is fantastic when you dig into this because he says, I know that there are people who are slandering you, who are saying bad things about you. And listen, they even call themselves Christians. But what they really are is they're a part of the church of Satan. And then verse 10, don't be afraid of what you are about to suffer. I tell you, the devil will put some of you in prison to test you, and you will suffer persecution for 10 days. Be faithful even to the point of death, and I will give you the crown of life. This is Jesus reminding them, hey, you're getting ready to suffer, but don't forget who keeps the keys in their pocket. And who holds those keys and never gives them up? And then verse 11, he says, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He who overcomes will not be hurt at all by the second death. You know what Jesus is saying here through John? He's saying, look, you're going to suffer. You're going to suffer tremendously. There's no telling how much suffering you're going to go through. In fact, you just need to be prepared for this. Some of you are even going to suffer to the point of death. But you don't have to worry about that death because that's the first death. And there is going to be a second death, the judgment, where the Lord will look at us and ask us and seek whether we have ever repented of our sins. And he says, you don't have to fear that because I died for you. Listen, 2 Corinthians 6, 8 through 10 says this. We are treated as impostors and yet are true as unknown and yet well known as dying and behold, we live as punished and yet not killed. Listen to this. You hear this? This is 2 Corinthians. We're going to live as people who are punished and yet not killed, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing. As poor, yet we're going to make many people rich. As having nothing, but possessing everything. Do you see the dichotomy that's going on there? Jesus is, is saying to this, look, you may look poor to the rest of the world, but you're rich in my eyes. You ever thought about that? I mean, you know, I, I mean, you you got to be honest with me for just a minute. You know, God's blessed me with four wonderful years here. I, I've stood in front of you very seldom, if ever, and asked you for money. You've been so faithful, and, and you've kept the finances of the church well. You've helped pay for this incredible renovation that's going on. I can't wait 
to the day we will celebrate in just a few weeks here everything that God's been able to do through you and, and through your finances. But you haven't heard me hammer you for money. You haven't heard Gary or anybody, Clint, anybody. I, I, I don't know that we might be at the point someday where I might need to say, hey, this is where our finances are and this is what we need to do to step up. I'm, I'm not opposed to doing that. Don't hear me say that. But you've been such a good and faithful people uh, to give to the kingdom and to the Lord's work. But let me tell you something. In a lot of people's eyes, we look like a poor church. That's the truth. Man, there's, there's a lot of mega churches that I've walked in, that I've worshipped in. There's a, there's a lot of rich, big churches. There, there's places that you know you can go to that make Holly Springs look poor but we don't ever look poor in the eyes of the Lord. We are a rich people, and He has blessed us tremendously with incredible things that we can't even imagine. And what looks poor to one person looks like great riches to another person. I don't know about you, but man, when I walk in this building... I just get amazed at how good God has been to this congregation and to our people and how faithful we have been. And that's what he's saying here in, in the book of Revelation. This is what he's saying to the church at Smyrna. He says, you may look poor, but let me tell you something, brothers and sisters, you're a rich people. And you may look like you're suffering. Look, I, I really believe this. And I, I'm not a prophet. I don't know when. But there's going to be a time when we as a body of believers are going to suffer. And it's going to, to be a, a great suffering. We, we may have the government come in and say, don't do this. We, we may have outside influences that say, if you do this, we're, we're going to do that to us. I don't know, but I do know from reading the scripture and from the understanding of everything that's going on that was happening 2,000 years ago to the church at Smyrna, and it's going to, I think, one day happen to us again. It's already happening in other places of the world. I think it's going to creep into us here eventually, but I do know that when we look like we're suffering, the scripture says that we're going to be rejoicing. Boy, that's, that's the antithesis of everything that the world is going to see. You know, the world is going to see us and they're going to say, look at how we're punishing them. Look at how they're suffering. Look at how poor they are. Look at how they don't have anything. And, and Jesus is just going to keep reminding us through Scripture, you have everything because I have the keys to the kingdom. And it's okay. Listen, so he commends them for their suffering. And, and then he clarifies them. He clarifies things for them. In, in verse 9, remember what I told you where it says that, uh, that there are Jews who say, people that say they're Jews and then they slander you and they're really the synagogue of Satan and they follow their father, the devil. They don't know God. So Jesus calls on us to be faithful even when things are worsening. 
listen, here's what's going to happen, and, and you can see it already. It, every denomination is, is going through this in some form or fashion, but it's, it's where people, even within the de denomination, are, are calling others to not follow what Scripture teaches. Uh, you can see it all across our country right now and all across many faiths, but there, there, there are faiths that are beginning to say, please don't uh, teach this doctrinal statement or don't teach this doctrinal thing because it, it offends people. Listen, I, believers aren't in, in the business of offending people. That is not our job. But believers are in the business of speaking truth and keeping to scriptural truth. And I don't know if, if you're familiar with what the role of an elder is in the church, but the most important role of any elder, any deacon, any anybody in position in the church is to keep the church on a scriptural foundation. And that's what we are called to do, is to follow scripture. When, when you look at Revelations and, and you look at this letter to Smyrna, you see that John commends them through the words of Jesus and reminds them that he's the Alpha and Omega. And he reminds them and clarifies things for them that uh, even though there are people, even within the church, quote unquote, within uh, what some people would say are believers, quote unquote, that aren't being truthful with them. In fact, he calls them, remember what I told you, he calls them the church of Satan. He says, even that you need to clarify and understand that in the midst of all that suffering is coming. So he, he's commended them, and then he clarify, clarifies things for them, and then he tells them this. He asks them to be faithful sufferers for the kingdoms. Jesus moves from speaking what is to speaking what will be. That's exactly what I'm doing for you this morning and what I've tried to do for this last 10 to 11 weeks. It's, I've tried to help you to understand what was and what's going to be. Uh, you all see that. You're, you're smart people. You, you, I, I'm overwhelmed sometimes at your scriptural knowledge, it, your heart for prayer, your heart for giving. It just blows me away. But here's what you know and what you need to, to understand is what verse 10 tells us. It says, do not fear what you are about to suffer. The devil is about to throw some of you in prison that you may be tested. And for 10 days, you will have tribulation. That's what the scripture says. And then it says, be faithful unto death and I'm going to give you the crown of life. Now, I, I know what you're thinking. I mean, you're thinking the same thing I'm thinking. I, I completely get that. Bobby just said that some of us are going to go to prison. And we're not going to go to prison. That's ridiculous. Brothers and sisters, that may be true today, but it may not be true tomorrow. I, I just, I don't know. I can't predict that for you. I, I am not a person without hope. I have great hope for our country. And I have great hope for what God can do. 
And God has promised us about his faithfulness. And I have great hope in the power of prayer. But I'm telling you, 2,000 years ago, Jesus was telling this to the church at Smyrna, and I don't think it's lost any validity at all today. And I think you better be prepared. I, I mentioned the other day about being nervous for my children and my grandchildren. And next week, you just, you're just going to have to come back and hear this because next week I'm going to give you hope for your children and your grandchildren. But it's going to be hope in context. And here's what the context is. The hope in context is that God is in control. And he will take care of your children and your grandchildren. And he's going to take care of you. But I'm not promising you one lick that you might start suffering tomorrow for the kingdom. You might start suffering at your work. You might start suffering in, in your relationships. I don't know what's going to happen, but I can tell you this, that God has promised us that as we are faithful to him, suffering is going to be a part of what goes on. That's why what I told you just a few minutes ago about Jason singing that song, It Is Well With My Soul, I, I don't want to put words into your mouth. I don't want to put thoughts into your mouth. But if you really believe in your heart that you're a child of the king, then that song ought to just overwhelm you with emotion because you want the Lord to come, haste the day for his return. But even so, it's going to be well with my soul, whatever he does with me. Listen, I, I firmly believe this as believers. We don't run to persecution. Listen to me. I, I'm not asking any of you to go put your, your suit on, your, you know, your fighting suit on, and go run in, into the blaze of hell. I'm not asking you to do that. And I don't think really Jesus asked you to do that too. But we don't run away from it either. You know, one of the things that I've always tried to teach my kids, and I know you try to teach your kids is to believe in themselves. Um, our middle son, Evan, is, is going through some things in his life right now that I think may bring some changes in his life. I don't know. Only trust the Lord for that. But I can tell you this one thing. Every time that Laura and I talk to him on the phone, we talk to him and we say, we believe in you. We believe in your character. We believe in your heart. We believe in your commitment to your family. And we believe in your cause for Christ and how you love him and want to serve him. And because of that, we believe in you. And you don't need to be afraid of what tomorrow holds for you. Well, that's what's true for us. That's what Jesus tells us all throughout the scripture. Listen, I pray for our country all the time. I, I pray that it's peaceful and that it's quiet and that God would bless it. But you can't be promised that. And we don't know that that's going to happen. I do know a few things, though. I do know that God can take care of us. And that he's never going to leave us. My prayer for you is that you have built your hope on the rock that is Jesus. And no other thing will do. Someone asked C.S. Lewis once, why do the righteous suffer? And he said, why not? They're the only ones who can take it. Have you ever thought about that before? 
man, we were built to take it. You wonder what skill sets you have or what you're good at. You know one thing that I can promise you you're good at? If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you were built to take suffering. You can do it. You can handle it. Helen Keller said, although the world is full of suffering, it's also full of the overcoming of it. We are overcomers through Jesus Christ. I want to share with you one last thing kind of leading into next week about hope. I, I told you next week's all going to be about hope. I'm going to try and encourage you with your children and your grandchildren, mine too, of what God can do and, and wrap this whole thing up on, on the culture and suffering with a bow of hope and celebration and joy. And that's going to lead us into the next week when we're going to ordain some deacons on Sunday morning. So just some hope after hope. I'm hoping just that that's what you see as we celebrate here on Sundays. I, I don't know how you get hope. You know, I, I've always wondered, you know, and of course part of how you gain hope is placing your total faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And I, I got to reading about this the other day. The Lord gave me an opportunity in some of my reading to read about this experiment, and it blew me away. And so I want to share it with you. It's kind of weird, kind of a maybe kind of a cringe experiment, but I'm going to share it with you anyhow. And I've verified it. It's, it's a true deal. It's not just a made-up feel-good story. This is a real deal. There's a scientist that was a Harvard graduate, and he was a scientist at Johns Hopkins University, very famous, you know about that. And back in the 1950s, he did this experiment with rats. His name was Kurt Richter. Kurt Richter did this experiment with rats, and what he did was he took rats and he put them in a bucket of water. And he did what you and I would have done watching rats. Probably you would have been okay with it, maybe understanding it was rats, but he watched them swim for a little while until they just couldn't swim anymore. And then they sunk to the bottom of the bucket and they drowned. It took about 15 minutes for that to happen. And Kurt Richter decided he wanted to press on with this experiment, so he took 15 more rats and he put them in a bucket of water and he watched them swim, and he knew that they could probably go about 15 minutes, and then they would drown. And he watched them swim, and about 14 minutes, 13, 14 minutes, all those rats began to give up, and they all began to sink to the bottom. But he did something totally different with this group of rats. As they were sinking to the bottom, he reached in, and he grabbed them out of the bucket, and he put them on a table with a towel, and he dried them off. And he petted them, and he encouraged them just with his voice. And he said, I'm sorry, you're going to be okay. And he, he rubbed them off, and he, he got their fur all dry, and he gave them about 10 to 15 minutes outside of that bucket. And then he took all 15 of those rats, and he put them back in the water again. Do you know how long they swam the next time? Man, I, I would have been impressed if they'd have gone 15 more minutes. 30 minutes surely would have seemed like a miracle. An hour would have been overwhelming. But do you know those 15 rats swam for 60 hours? 60. I'm not 
making this stuff up. After 10 minutes of being saved one time and given just a few minutes of rest and put back in the bucket, they swam for 60 hours because they had just a little hope that somebody cared for them. And we don't have a scientist who cares for us. We have a Savior who cares for us. We have a Savior who loves us and watches over us and knows every molecule in your body and who gives us hope. And that's the hope that will keep us forever. He holds the keys to the kingdom. Don't you ever forget that. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we're so grateful that you are our hope. You are our assurance. You are the one who we depend on. And Father, even as you commend us for being believers and you clarify things for us that there's going to be struggles in our life and you prepare us to go through suffering, God, we are thankful that we have hope. And God, that you are the author of that hope because you hold the keys to the kingdom. God, as we know that things in this world are changing dramatically moment by moment, day after day, we give thanks that nothing surprises you. And now, Father, as we come to another opportunity just to worship you with our voices, we ask that it would be a sweet sound in your ear. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Just a few moments, I'll ask you to stand as we worship with Jason again. Just take this opportunity where God has placed you this morning to just be able to worship him and love him. If you have something that you would like to visit with me or, or, or another church member about, you're more than welcome to do that at this time. Whatever God's calling you to do, I pray that he would give you the courage and strength to do it as we stand together, as we sing with Jason and Robin.
grace and justice, what a friend. Oh, 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 I did not know that. I was just going. I was going to talk about how cool a song that was, but I need to temper myself now. I don't want to get your head too big. <laughs> now, didn't you think that was beautiful? That's that's amazing. Yeah, thank you. Well, we'll have to sing that more often. Yeah, that's wonderful. Mm, write another one. You're doing good. You're on a roll. Um, let me just share with you a couple things. You can stay standing, and then we'll be dismissed here. But. I do want to celebrate, speaking of Jason, uh, today is Jason and Gary's anniversary here at the church, so we want to celebrate three years. Did you write that in honor of your anniversary? Is that what you did? No. So let's celebrate Jason and Gary and thank them for being here on our staff with us. So thank you very much. I'm glad that you're here. Also, make sure you write on your calendar. We've reserved Splash Kingdom again for the first Sunday night in August. So we have it from 6 to 8, I think. And so 
you can certainly come. We want you to invite guests to come too. It's, it's all reserved for us. And so that'll be a wonderful time too. And Clint, where are you at? Clint, I saw you in here a second ago. Clint is taking our youth to camp and they leave in the morning. They go to um, middle Louisiana. That's just, that's a mission trip too, kind of a combination going to Louisiana. So uh, anyhow, pray for Clint and uh, the group that will be heading out and his sponsors and everything. They'll have a wonderful week and that God will bless them this week. And uh, I think that's all. Anything else? I don't know if anything. That's all I can think of. Thanks so much for being here this morning. I will be back here Wednesday night for Wednesday night worship again. I hope that the Lord blesses you and keeps you and causes his face to shine upon you this week. Have a wonderful week. You're dismissed. Mm -hmm.